You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Psycho history. Lots of numbers. Prime numbers. Harry Seldon's gonna save the day. This is Bradley Martin with one of us talking about Apple TV sci-fi epic foundation based on the beloved series by Isaac Asimov brought to you by the creative, sometimes brilliant, sometimes cringe David S. Goyer and Josh Friedman creators with an amazing writing team and huge stars such as Mad Men's Jared Harris and Disney Marvel's Lee Pace. It's uh, Ronan the Accused or the Accursed from Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, he was also in The Hobbit. It's like one of the few good things about The Hobbit. Yeah, he was a uh, Randuil. He actually surprised me a lot, uh, putting my and not playing my cards too close to the chest here, I thought this was amazing. And a lot of these performances is the reason why. But I'll give you a quick synopsis. Foundation! Harry Seldon and his psychohistory, that's math, that predicts the future. Over the course of thousands of years, not just what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow, but what sort of jihad might take place in 500 years following up other terrible events. Now, the Empire, who rules everything, an empire of Cleons, which are clones of the first Cleon, thought he did a good job with his rule and felt, hey, this should continue forever. These Cleons hear about Harry Seldon and his doom math, as it can be called, and say, Mm-mm, he's a quack. Defame him and maybe even kill him to stop this horrible heresy against the beloved and kind Imperium. Meanwhile, on another planet, someone named Salvor on the planet Terminus is getting visions, dreams, hearing voices, and she believes they're coming from this giant vault. But what's in the vault? A pizza party Friday, perhaps? Or perhaps the most impossible thing of all, hope. Also on another planet thousands of light years away is a woman named Gal Dornick. Uh, Say more of entering her adolescent, you know, those years before you go off to college. And she has a brilliant mind for math, which, alas, is against her culture's religion. Will she decide to be a heretic and help the Harry Seldon? Build a foundation to prevent these evil events he has predicted? 
or will she stay and pray? Lots of cultures, creeds, beliefs, hope and despair, they all come about in a whirlwind of amazing drama, very good acting, and some sexy time. This is Foundation. I left tons of stuff out because this is a 10-episode series, and we're going spoiler-free, of course. So tread lightly, my fellow reviewers, and I'm going to introduce those fellow reviewers now. The first of thousands of clones, Ray is with us. Hello. And someone who always makes sure his prime number counting starts above 1,000, Neil is with us. Hello, all. And if you're an empirical, tyrannical jerk face, count on this guy leading a resistance against you. Elliot is with us. Hey, hey. So what did you all think of season one of The Foundation? I am not a person who has read the books. I, I'm a big sci-fi fan, and I've read a lot of sci-fi authors, but man... I was one of those people that every time I tried to get into Asimov, I just I just couldn't do it. And so I was really curious to see this because uh, I, I had nothing to go on, really. And I ended up really liking it a lot. Now, it, it don't get me wrong. You first three, four episodes, it's a little hard to follow because we are covering, like you said, Bradley, thousands of years one way and thousands of years the other way. And sometimes you're not exactly sure where we are. <laughs> It seems because you're like, do we jump 500 years in the future, or 100 years in the future? I don't it, know. Okay, no, no, no. So, the time, the time doesn't jump. It's different parts of the universe. They're jumping all over the universe. Well, they are, but they're also jumping in time, and I think both of those things makes the first three or four episodes a little bit. You really have to watch. You really have to listen, and it takes a little bit to get into. But after the first three four episodes, I'm hooked on this thing, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, and to point out Neil's, uh, what he's saying, it is a simple show at its foundation. But if you do think about it, it is so complex. But Elliot, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of a little bit more on the negative side than you, Bradley, and you, Ray. Um, I, I read these books, at least the first three, I think there's five in the series, but uh, Asimov wrote the first three and then like decades later wrote some follow-ups so right. if you're gonna read the books just read the first three is all i'm saying <laughs> i don't remember a ton but i do believe there's a fair amount of deviation from the first book in this season um yes not necessarily to the detriment of the show because i'm gonna be honest i think asimov is you know a classic example of a guy who has some good ideas but maybe not the best execution I think there's a lot of really good acting, which is something that really, really helps the show. Jared Harris is pitch perfect as Harry Seldon. Lee Pace is just knocking it out of the park, showing why he's one of the best actors today. You even actually got some people from the uh, Dune sci-fi miniseries, including Ian McNeese, who was the Baron back then, playing almost a similar kind of slimy role in this. Um, cool. Very, very briefly. Um so, yeah, I, you know, I am split on this. I'm almost still mulling over how I feel about this because I think a lot of it works. It's beautiful. It looks great. The scale is just great. And um, Foundation really is a lot about the passage of time 
not just between the books but within the books and this the show does a good job of that so uh yeah there's a lot i liked but there's a lot that i kind of wanted to like more how about you neil i'm kind of in a similar boat as these two i didn't read the books so i was excited to jump into this and it's it's a slow submersion into I mean, they're hitting you with a ton of worlds building, not world building, worlds, and hitting you with math at this level, and we're kind of introduced to what we think are main characters, and just as you get your footing, they're put on the shelf, and we get a new batch of characters. I think this, the, the sci-fi elements of it are probably being pulled out of the book, so the show isn't coming up with new stuff, but... For me, it's Lee Pace and Leah Harvey. And shout out to Lee Pace all the way back to Pushing Daisies. That's what you should call him out for because he's phenomenal in that. Yeah, we're introduced. You mentioned Gall early on, and then she's kind of put on the shelf. But it's the character that kind of follows up the Salvor, who I fucking loved. But Lee Pace, it keeps coming back because we have Empire. Um, And one thing I want to clarify, a little bit different. Something you said, Bradley, if they're trying to prevent disaster when actually they're preparing to recover from disaster faster. Right. So it's this different twist, too, of usually the sci-fi is you got to stop the comet, you got to stop the virus, stop Armageddon, and their whole pitch is, oh, no, nothing can stop it. This is the recovery will be minimized and more efficient if we do this, which I think... and. Um, is an interesting deviation from a lot of what sci-fi we see of you're trying to stop it. No, we're just trying to bounce back quicker instead of 15,000 years recovery. We can get it down to maybe eight or whatever it was. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I do think it's, it's worth watching. It, it pulls off enough. Save, save it up. If you're going to sign up for Apple TV, clear your calendar so you can binge Ted Lasso and foundation and potentially some other things in there. It's worth it. I wouldn't say it's the reason you subscribe to Apple TV, but it's a reason. It's it's so dense that binging it is really going to help you with the whole through line and everything going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you two are absolutely right. I think it would have helped me when I was a little bit confused, like I said in the first few episodes, because we watched it week to week. I think it really would have helped me if I could have just gone back She to turned back. to me at least twice, and my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll tell us. <laughs> I don't know yet. Because they do these jumps, and not of hundreds of years, but stories allegedly happening parallel somewhere else. And it's like, but but I swore this was a main character. Okay, maybe we'll see them again. I don't know. But yeah, I had to tell her twice, like, I don't know. Yeah, binging better, yes. Apple finally showing that it's a trillion dollar company. This looks like they were literally throwing Benjamins at the screen and la- and laughing. Like, ah, bam, there's a hundred dollars. Ah, bam, there's a million dollars more. Keep throwing the money, guys. Like, even a simple special effect or, or something that could be a simple process. They're like, nope, throw money at the screen. When they say, put the veil on them, and this really neat, sick uh, shroud in a very sci-fi way goes over a problem's face and tightens up on it. Like, that's cool, but was that necessary? What what do y'all think about that? Well, 
I, I love sci-fi megastructures. I'm going to try and like skirt around spoilers here. Yes. Um, and there was a cataclysm that happened early on in the show that I thought was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it happens on Trantor, which is uh, which is basically Coruscant. You know, it's like a whole city on a planet and goes super deep down, which um, I also thought was it was Coruscant better than Coruscant has ever been done. Unless you watch Clone War, uh, Clone Wars, they do Coruscant justice on Clone Wars, but none of the movies they do. Before we get into our final thoughts, just wanted to get something from each of you. Your favorite character arc, with no spoilers, mine I'll lead with. Demerizel is a servant to the Cleons and their thousand-year empire. And this, essentially, for lack of a better understanding, is someone who is 100% incapable of free will that believes in a religion. That's freaking cool. That's high-concept sci-fi to me. And this actress... Laura Byrne, amazing. What were your all favorite character arcs and deviations from just Harry Seldon's math in this show? Yeah, darn, you might have. Yeah, you might have stolen my favorite character. She, was really <laughs> she could be yours really as great. well. Yeah. Even though she reminded me of a lot of different characters from different sci-fi stuff, she actually mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of Jessica from Dune and um, Data from Star Trek, and even kind of the Borg Queen from Star Trek. Um, but, but yeah, the, I mean, the actress made it her own. I thought the writing for her was great. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to co-sign that. My favorite character was probably her. Yeah. Cool. All right. For me, it's, so there's so much in this show as one of the early sci-fi epic series, not a lot's been copied out of this. So a lot of this felt kind of newish. Like we saw some shield technology, which is then, you know, Dune comes slightly after this. But the the concept of a ruler who thinks he's so good and so arrogant, I'm I'm going to rule. But there's going to be an older version, a, a middle aged version, and a young version, and they only identify as dawn, day, and dusk based on their age. And day is considered in the most power of the three. And we get an arc of later in the season with day, and we met him as dawn. And he's older. And Lee Pace always plays the middle one, the day, where he decides to go off-world to try to potentially nip in the bud a religious problem. And he ends up going on a version of a pilgrimage, which they're, I forget exactly, but they're like barely 10% make it the distance. And then of that 10%, a lower percentage potentially sees a vision. And that vision is is then interpreted by a bunch of priestesses and... Uh, that arc with Day going like on an ambassador, ambassador trip and everything that plays out. Because you think you see growth, but as that loop kind of closes, you're like, oh, there's there's the, the ruler we kind of thought was still there. He may have had this growth at Epiphany, but he quickly could supplant it to do what he still thought was best and what he probably planned to do for the freaking start. So it's Day's arc off-planet on this religious ambassador trip that was the... F- and Pace is fucking owning it. Lee Pace is owning it through that whole section. More than he was the rest, and he was owning the rest. And for me, I wonder if, uh, you know, is Empire one character or is it three characters? <laughs> because 
you know, that's the thing. If I have to name a favorite character, I'm going to name Empire as, as a whole. I, again, I love that concept of you always have three rulers. It's the same ruler because, of course, they're genetic clones. But one that's younger, one's in the middle, and one's older. And you get a perspective from, you know, from the three of them. And every time you kind of think that maybe, you know, Day, even though as far as the ruling structure goes, he kind of is the one who gets the final say. So you think, okay, Dusk isn't that important or Day is, you know, or or, um, Dawn isn't that important. Then all of a sudden they are again. And you have three actors that are playing basically the same person, but three different characters, if I mean, that's if that's a way to put it. And I love the interaction between the three every time that they are in a room together and every time that they're in a scene together. Those little tiny intricacies that go with these three actors playing this one character. That's my favorite character is, is Empire. We're going to dive right into our final thoughts here. Uh, according to my psycho math, I predict, and you know these things vary. Uh, all tens from all of us. No, I'm just kidding, uh, <laughs> Elliot. Why don't you lead us, please? Yeah, sorry to break your uh, psycho history theory, theory there. Um, yeah, this is this is really good. I even think that maybe just discussing it has brought up my rating a little bit. Um, it is really dense, and I think it really behooves you to have read the first novel. Uh, in this case, but that doesn't mean it's impenetrable or not open to newcomers, um, but it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, the performances are great. You know, I feel myself saying that about so many things these days that <laughs> I don't necessarily love. I think there's a lot of interesting things being said. It's interesting, the concept of psychohistory as Asimov imagined it, you know, whether he really believed in it as a possibility or not, was he came up with this in like the 30s early 40s and it almost feels outdated in 2021 this concept of psychohistory even with that thought i think this series is still really interesting to view even just through that lens um so yeah i I really like this i wanted to like it more i think a second season definitely can benefit this and i will definitely be watching that second season so i'm going to give this a seven and a half out of ten blouses that also kind of look like weird skin <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah very sci-fi neil i was i was excited going in and this this checked a lot of boxes and and being a sci-fi fan uh elliot's word of dense is probably the the best description of it doesn't quite just knock it out of the park because the ball's too dense. It can't get quite out of the outfield because they throw a lot at you and they rarely slow down. And when they do, they've shifted over and you're having to pick up a whole new batch of characters and things, but it looks great. The acting's great. Uh, It's cool to see sci-fi concepts from one of the, godfathers of sci-fi that has it hasn't been cloned a bunch of times pun intended um and we've seen it again and again and yeah his psycho history is kind of he harry cheats because if someone calls him on it he just goes yeah i know i i knew that 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 was that was a possible calculation um uh i i may watch the first season again before like a, a second season hopefully i think it's it has been greenlit right have we seen that it has. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I would almost recommend rewatching this before yeah. the season. Uh, yeah. And it's it's worth it for the cast, who does such yeah. a great job. I'm also going to give it seven and a half. Uh, ten-sided Dides of Fate. Ray. I like this. I liked it more as it went along. And yes, it, it, before season two, I am going to watch season one again. I agree with everybody that one of the big things that make this makes this is the performances across the board. Even though we've got our favorite characters, maybe, you know, ones that aren't, aren't necessarily our favorites. It doesn't matter. I don't think that there's a bad performance in this show. And so uh, if you are a sci-fi fan, watch this. If you are a fan of actors, watch this. I really like the fact that they keep that front and center that even though there's there are some really good looking special effects here that they keep the story and the acting and the characters forefront in this that they didn't use all of their money just to go Ooh, look pretty pretty shiny pretty shiny over here and then they forgot about the rest of it you know so i i would recommend this to anybody who's either a fan of sci-fi or or really good acting i like the fact that I got to see uh, Terrence Mann in a lead role here, in kind of a lead role as Brother Dusk. It's been a while. Um, he's done a few TV things and a few movie things, but mostly he's a Broadway actor, so uh, not as many people know him. I was glad that he got a chance to shine here. And Critters, yo. I ended up liking this so much, I'm going to go a little higher than some of y'all, and I'm going to give it an 8.25 out of 10 Fremen Space Pirates. So I very much am on board with any high-concept sci-fi that actually presents high-concept ideas. Jared Harris, always wonderful. What surprised me is, and I'm glad you all kind of pointed this out, Harry Seldon's kind of evil, isn't he? Kind of a dick, to put it lightly. Could be a very egomaniacal, selfish lunatic, to put it majorly. And he's wonderful, is that? Lou LaBelle as Gal, who's a wonderful protagonist who has to choose whether or not to be under the thumb of Harry Seldon and the math she loves as opposed to the culture she left behind. Great. Uh, Lee Pace, wonderful. Terrence Mann, great words about him from you, Ray. Just absolutely fantastic. Lara Byrne again as... Demerizel, such a cool sci-fi name. Cassian Bilton as Brother Don. I've never seen this actor before. He kind of plays three roles, and he's wonderful at it. I'm going to give this a very grim rating. Eight wonderful, glorious books of knowledge that can unlock empathy and truth in a rope tied around your neck and then thrown into an ocean. You know, one thing that's interesting is there is a main antagonist to the whole, at least the first three books, that I don't even think is sort of hinted at in this series at all. Oh, oh I'm yeah. Too, maybe I'm hinting too much for people who haven't read the book. But. What if we'll get season two? Hmm. 